Greatest Choice podcast, where we dive into the topics of singleness, fertility, motherhood, and choice. I'm your host, Katie B. Every episode, I'll deliver conversations with women in their fertile years who are grappling with what to do when life doesn't turn out as planned. You will also hear interviews with experts in the fields of fertility, personal development, choosing single motherhood, and more. Join us as we explore these topics and support each other along the way. Because what you decide to do with these years could be the single greatest choice you'll ever make, and you don't have to make it alone. Hey guys, I'm back in your podcast feed for a really special reason this week. Right as I was wrapping up season one of the podcast, I learned about a new reality TV show called Labor of Love that's super relevant to my journey to motherhood and many of yours as well. As I watched, I kept thinking, wouldn't it be amazing to have this female lead on the podcast? A few weeks later, I decided to reach out to her, and you guys, I'm so glad that I did. Christy Katzman is one of the sweetest, most genuine women I've ever met. She shares my passion for empowering other women and helping others to feel less alone. Christy's the most recent star of Fox's new reality show, Labor of Love, which highlights the journey of a woman who, quote, has it all, except one thing, a family of her own. Sounds familiar, right? At 40 and single, Christy began actively researching and planning to pursue motherhood on her own when the opportunity to be cast on this show that was quite literally her life crossed her path. Christy said yes in a last effort to meet the one or to be sure of her path to motherhood as a single mother by choice. It was her greatest hope that by going public with such a vulnerable part of her story that she could help other women and bring more awareness and acceptance to this very relevant topic, which Christy says is not being talked about nearly enough, and I know you all agree. In her heart, Christy believed that she would ultimately pursue motherhood on her own and meet the right partner later. And that's exactly what happened. Well, TBD on the partner, but we know it'll happen. Christy, like many of us, has had to grieve the loss of not getting the story she wanted, but today she's so grateful and excited to be a part of this amazing community. Now that she's here, she says she truly wouldn't want it any other way. Christy's never wanted a normal life, so this just seems like a very fitting part of the journey. You guys, I'm so excited to introduce you to Christy Katzman. I know you'll love her as much as I do. A quick note about the show If you haven't watched Labor of Love, you can binge it right now on Hulu. And if you're planning to watch, you might consider saving this episode until you're done because it does contain a whole lot of spoilers. But on the other hand, if you do listen to the podcast first, that might make it even more fun to watch Christy navigate through her season of Labor of Love because then you'll know just what a lovely and genuine person she is. Either way, I hope you enjoy this interview, and I hope you'll join Christy and me and a bunch of the other previous podcast guests and listeners over on Facebook. You can find the Facebook group by searching the Single Greatest Choice Community. See you there. All right. Hi, Christy. Welcome to the Single Greatest Choice Podcast. Hi, Katie. I am I'm so excited for this. Oh, me too. <laughs> me too. I really am. I think it's so amazing that you did this, honestly. I mean, I think probably the reason you're doing this podcast is the reason I said yes to the show. You know, I know women in this age bracket that still want to be mothers is becoming a bigger and bigger thing, but it's shocking to me that it's still not talked about. And so here we are trying to do something on our own that's already difficult and then truly feeling like we are alone. And I know that's not the case. And especially after doing the show, it's even more not the case than I thought. There are more women going through this or have already gone through it, but just never talked about it. 
Right. And that has been really surprising to me, but it has just made me more committed to this mission of really supporting other women going through this journey too. Yes. That's amazing. And it's so apparent with everything you're putting out on social media and just how open you've been with your own story. So you're, you're really, I think you and I are on the same mission. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I wanted to start by just asking how it came to be that you ended up on the labor of love show. What happened prior to that and kind of how, what led up to that point? Yeah. It's so funny because truthfully, I think it was just like a little bit of serendipity and sort of against all odds when the show crossed my plate, I really felt in my heart, it was meant to be part of my journey. Now that's kind of a crazy thing to think because they're casting for this whole show. And I'm sure thousands of people are applying and it was a year in the, in the process of casting for the woman. I don't know if people realize that. So I was in this process a whole year before we even started filming. Um, But for whatever reason, I just felt really connected to it. And I think a big part of that is what we just said. And that is knowing I was already going to be going through this myself. And the feeling that if I was willing to actually do this somewhat publicly, A, it would feel less lonely for me, and B, it was my hope that it could help other women out there who were likely going through the same thing. And I know that because I have a lot of friends in in the same boat. So I think randomly how it actually came across my plate was a, a mentor of mine had sent it to me. And that's probably why I looked twice because it wasn't coming from someone in the industry And truthfully, I I don't know that I would have said yes, but I had just gotten out of a relationship that I was like very upset about. And it's almost like I was so mad. I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to (laughs) do. And I had already set the deadline for myself that if I didn't meet someone by the end of that year, that I was just going to start the single mother by choice process. So for me, if it did work out that I did the show, I thought it was really my last best chance to meet someone who was also in the same place as me to actually start a family with someone else, which is what I wanted. And that kind of year or so before that, the dating world was extremely difficult. I think not only in my age bracket that I had, you know, kind of hit 40, things really changed as far as my dating pool went, but then having to really figure things out really quickly because I knew I didn't have a lot of time. So the show worked out and I, I knew if it worked out, I would say yes for those reasons. And here we are today. So and will you explain, um, will you just kind of give the premise of the show in case people haven't seen yeah. it? So it's a, a new reality show that was on Fox. It's now on Hulu, if anyone wants to catch it, but it's called labor of love and it has a female lead. And it's really a woman that has accomplished a lot in her life. You know, she kind of has the life that she wanted, except for that one big thing, which is to become a mother what do you do if you find yourself in that position where you're truly running out of time and this is something that you still want? What are your options? And ultimately, what do you decide? And I think this season one was a bit of a social experiment in a way, because on the table, of course, was meeting someone to you know fall in love with and actually start a family with, and you'd be together as a couple. You could choose someone to co-parent with or not choose anyone or have it not work out and then just move forward on, on your own as a single mother by choice. And of course there's, there's nothing binding you to anything. So you could do whatever you want, you know, at the end (laughs) of the day, if you don't want to do it, you don't have to do anything. But you know, for me, it was like either I knew I was going to meet someone that I wanted to be with as a partner or I would move forward on my own. And it really was the end of the line for me. It was like, this is going to be my last attempt to partner up with someone to do this. Otherwise I knew what my plan was. And to tell you the truth, I think in my heart, I always felt that it was also part of my journey to be a single mother by choice, you know, for whatever reason, 
Um, and it's kind of ironic because that is exactly how it worked out. Even going through everything, <laughs> like getting through the show and putting my whole, you know, but the truth yes, is like I put yes. my whole heart into it. I really did. I was a hundred percent myself. I gave it everything that I had. I held nothing back. I was completely open, completely vulnerable. And so it didn't work out how I hoped, you know, for people that haven't seen, I did end up picking someone at the end, but we broke up pretty quickly after the show. It was just really a, a lack of compatibility on all fronts. And I think, I'm not saying that was fun and that was very disappointing for me because I did want to meet someone. That was really why I did it. Otherwise I would just move forward on my own the year prior. But because I had approached it the way that I did, I have no regrets and I felt very confident in the results. Yes. So I knew, Hey, that didn't work out. Well, I got my answer. It might end up in the answer I wanted, but I clearly had my answer and that was to move forward with motherhood on my own. Yes. And I feel really good about that. And I think in the last year, since we brought the show, cause we filmed this like a year, year and a half ago, I've actually, I'm in the place now where I'm actually really excited about approaching motherhood. I'll say with myself, not by myself and on my own terms. I actually really love the journey that I'm having, but I do want people to understand it wasn't like I just went from that to this and was happy about it. I went through right. a long grieving process. It took me really, even though I was actively going through the fertility process, it probably took me almost a full year post-filming to come to terms with my reality. Mm -hmm. And I think whatever your situation is, women going through this, they have some version of that reality. You're grieving things, you're scared, but because of biological timelines, you're really forced to move forward. And I think that's something a lot of us are juggling that we never anticipated, you know, until we're actually going through it. So it's, it's right. not all puppies and rainbows, right? But <laughs> I, do think it's an, I do think it's an exciting journey yes. to be on and one that I've really come to embrace and love. Yeah, I can relate so much to just, you know, other than being on the show, kind of all parts of that. In 2018, I set a goal on New Year's 2018. It was like, okay, this is going to be the year. Like this is, I'm going to date like it's my part-time job and I'm going to be super open. And I was working with a coach and I was working with a therapist and, you know, just was like, this is it. If, if 2018 ends and I haven't found my person, then I'm going, you know, I'm going to go on my own. And I was okay with that. Like I wasn't excited, but I was sort of resolved that that was just the way things were going to go. And it took 50 first dates, but on my 51st, oh my, <laughs> my 51st first date, which was in June. So it was like roughly halfway through the year. So I really was working it. You're, you're in Austin, you, you know, like it's, it's not hard to go on 50 first dates, but, um, it, but it is exhausting. <laughs> and I met the guy who was just that last best effort for me. I mean, he's an amazing person and I'm so, so thankful that I like had that opportunity to just explore that. But when that ended, I was like, okay, I'm so glad that I gave that a, a shot. And now I feel so much better about moving forward. And it still, it wasn't immediate. Like you said, it took really a pandemic and six months and, you know, a lot of time <laughs> to get to a point where I was like, you know what, this is not a plan B for me anymore. Like this really does feel yes. like what I want to do. And even in the last, about two months ago, I met someone, he's actually a neighbor and it was like totally serendipitous. And I realized this could totally be a thing. and this is a thing that would have derailed me a year ago if this had come mm -hmm. up. And instead I'm choosing, like I really am choosing single motherhood at this point. And so that, that's just been really good to kind of go through that whole progression. I think I need Yeah, I agree with you. And it is funny because 2018 was my timeline year too. So we really do have parallel journeys. It's just that 
then I went into filming. So it kind of kicked it back a year, right. but I had the same thing. I, I said, if this does not happen by 2018, by the end of this year, that's when I'm going to start, uh, you know, IVF on, yes. on my own. So I totally got that same for me by giving it that one last push. It allowed me to be confident in how my journey is playing out. Even like you said, you know, it's like from there in this last year, I've actually gotten to the point where I love it. Like mm -hmm. I feel, I'm not saying it's easy, but I'm really excited to be on the journey that I am. I actually think as hard as it is, it's really special. So I feel grateful in a lot of ways to be a part of this group of women. Because mm -hmm. I really do feel like we're changing the paradigm for women and future generations of women. And being a part of something like that, to me, honestly, I, I don't really think I could ask for anything more with my life. That's truly the most important thing to me. It's really advocating for women changing, you know, the status quo for women, being the one willing to put myself out there because I can kind of take the heat and not saying it's fun, but I'm more than willing to do that if it helps other women and makes them feel less alone and opens up new opportunities. Right. So, and what an incredible example for our children too, to just see that we went after our dreams. We didn't let anything hold us back. We're willing to do it in a unique way just because we're not going to give up on something that's important to us. That's, I think, exactly. one of the best examples we can set. I wanted to ask you just about the show, just because I've always been curious back in my early thirties yeah. when I was single, you know, people would say like, oh, you should try to go on the bachelor or the bachelorette or whatever. And my biggest fear with that, I mean, I, I don't know that I ever would have done it, but I always would say, there's no way, like you always hear people say, oh, I'm so sure that my husband is in this room or that my wife is in this room. And I'm like, I could literally walk into a room of the most eligible 30 bachelors and be like, nope, he's not here. <laughs> so I'm just curious yeah. about like that first night, that first episode did you have a sense that maybe that person was in there or were you, how did that feel? Yes. I, I kind of want to say yes and no to that. The truth is going into this whole journey, I truly felt like I was going to meet the person that I would experience parenthood with. I really did. I thought I've done everything else in my life. Like why not? Why couldn't I meet my match this way? It seemed like the best option I had. Now, that being said, it's funny because when I actually met the men and I knew nothing about them until there's that opening cocktail reception of which we put them through the sperm analysis. Uh -huh. of the men. <laughs> well, we just had the worst weather the whole time of filming. So honestly, we were so delayed. I, I was sitting in my trailer for like hours waiting to get to that party. Um, by the time we actually got there, I really had like 10, 15 minutes to socialize with the guys before we put them through that test. So I think I was very overwhelmed and very freaked out. And I wasn't sure, you know, and up front, because I did get to see some of their profiles, we kind of operated the show with this sort of dating app in between times when I would see the men. So I would get to learn more things about them. I really felt strongly drawn to Marcus, you know, and on paper, I felt like we were so aligned. And so I really felt until the end that it was always going to be him. And so I had a lot of confidence in how the show was playing out because that connection felt very right to me. Now, luckily, one thing I think I actually did right was I forced myself to really stay open to as many of the men as possible because one thing I sort of thought is, obviously the men I've chosen in the past didn't work out. These men were chosen for me for one reason or another. So I wanna be really open to maybe a different type of man than I would usually pick. So, you know, lo and behold, as we got down to the end and Marcus, I kind of figured out was playing the game was not being authentic. I was heartbroken. I will tell you, like my heart really broke because I thought 
oh my gosh, that was it. This is over because that is the one person here that I actually felt a strong connection with. Mm -hmm. And I think if people have watched, you know, going into the finale on the home visit with my family, my sister and I have a conversation where I, where I say to her, you know, I just thought if I got to this point with someone, I would feel more sure than I did. And that was the truth. Like going into actual final elimination, I, I didn't know what I was going to do. And a big part of me just wanted to walk away and say, Hey, I'm going to do this on my own, but I never wanted to question that journey. So mm -hmm. I decided that I would choose the person at that point. It was between Stuart and Kyle who I felt like I had the most real connection with. And so I chose Kyle. It didn't work out. And I think, like we said before, that was very disappointing for me, but I really had no questions left in my mind on how I would move forward with motherhood. Mm -hmm. So that was a long answer, but basically <laughs> like, yes, yes, and, yes and no. I mean, the truth is, I feel like Marcus is the one that I really felt connected to from day one. And then as we got very close to the end and I realized the truth of that situation, I was really scrambling to see, is there another connection here that potentially could actually be better for me? Right. So that's the hard time. And I think for me, I started with 15 men, right? I didn't have this big pool that I could kind of pick my 15 to move forward. And things move really fast too. I think the first four episodes we filmed very quickly. And if you think about that, I think by the end of the fourth, I was down to six men. That was filmed like in the first two and a half weeks. So it's not wow. like I had a bunch of time to get to know these men. And of course, I didn't see what we're all seeing now that we've watched the show. You know, I only ever saw or knew what was happening in front of me. But I will say, I think I was pretty spot on. So women's intuition is a real thing. <laughs> Ladies, for sure, listen for sure. to your gut because <laughs> it's really never wrong. <laughs> yes. It was so fun to watch. I think I jumped in about mid season and I sort of binged the first few episodes and then was in real time as they were being released. Yes. And Stuart reminds me so much from the very first time I saw him of the man that I was dating that I met in 2018, also a black man, also very like put together. And it was all about our relationship was like, it made a lot of sense. Like I knew I would live in a nice home. I knew that he would be a good dad. I knew our kids would go to good schools. So the episode where he brought you to the house to look at the house, I was like, oh my God, this feels so familiar. <laughs> it was a very, it had a very similar vibe, but it like, yes. it was just missing. My relationship was missing that spark. And so I think vicariously, I was like, so wanting you to like have that spark with him because it would be like everything yes. that I wanted to be true. That wasn't for me. But then at that last episode, I was like, of course, like, why do we never have a spark with that guy? Like, why is that guy? Like, it would be so convenient if that guy was the one, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I will say like a lot has played out and, you know, for, I agree with you, like with Stuart, he always checked all the boxes. It's like he sailed through every week. And I thought this really is the perfect guy. This is the perfect partner, but there was an, an inauthenticity that I felt with him from the beginning. I never felt mm. like those actions were actually about me. I never felt that connection was with me. It seemed more like showmanship. And I kept waiting for that connection to feel real and click into place because if it did, that would have been a no brainer. Right. There would have been no question, you know? Um, and I think some things have played out that, that have kind of told me that I was right. I didn't know the extent of it, but I knew something was off and I honored that. And that was a big moment for me because I think as women, a lot of times we, we get that feeling, but mm -hmm. then we rationalize it away. We say, oh, no, 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 it's not that. It's, and then it ends up that it, that it was right. And so I had a lot of questions about Kyle 
but as far as like our time together on the show, it felt authentic. And I, I will stand by that. It probably was the most real relationship I had on the show, but you know, ultimately we're just very different. He definitely had a different timeline than me. And you know, that was that kind of just like a, a normal breakup, but right. it is hard. It, it really is hard. I really was approaching dating in this show as who not only do I want as a partner, but who would be a great parent. Right. And in theory, all these men were cast that they were ready to be parents. Now I would say that is definitely not true, <laughs> but you know, that was a theory. So I was operating that they're all ready. But I think, you know, at the end of the day, obviously you want to pick someone who is going to be a great parent, but I realized I would rather pursue motherhood on my own and wait for the right partner match than choose someone who maybe I thought would be a great dad, but knew that we as partners would not work long-term. Absolutely. And I didn't know that that would be the result because I think going in, I was open to co-parenting and, and all those things. But as we progress, I just realized, nope, for me, it's going to be, there's a match that I'm romantically compatible with and he would be a good parent or I will do motherhood on my own mm -hmm. and wait for the right partnership to arrive, yes. you know, for us to yes. like find each other somehow. Yes. So I, yeah. it makes me so think, happy to hear how much you trust how much you trusted your intuition at the time and just how good you feel still about the, the choices that you made. And I think that just shows yeah. a level of maturity and just preparedness for this totally bizarre situation that you found yourself yeah. in. And I had that thought too, as I was watching, I was like, this would totally not work if she were 20, you know, like it only really works no. because you are the age that you are and you'd had the life experience and the dating experience and all of that. And you were very clear on what was most important to you. And I just think you did a beautiful job navigating, oh, you know, so much people that realize I never knew what was going on. I was just constantly being thrown into situations, but everyone was looking to me for guidance and it was relentless for me. I, I probably filmed 20 hours a day, lack of sleep, not eating all this stuff. I don't even know how I made it out the other side, but I think I did because I was so committed to this. I believed in, mm -hmm. in it so much, not only to really, you know, at the time I thought meet the person for me, but I wanted to do the best job I could to support other women. Mm -hmm. I wanted women like me in my age bracket, having the life experiences that we have to be taken seriously and to be looked at as a positive and a role model. So that pushed me through a lot of the hard times. I didn't want to let other women down. Like it was that important mm -hmm. to me that I'd be a good representation of what it really means to be in this position where you're having to consider motherhood on your own. Mm -hmm. I wanted to break any stereotypes that people might have and show that this is a real thing in modern life. And it's women like me, you know, that's yes. what I really wanted yeah. to portray. And that's exactly why I wanted to talk to you because I'm far more interested in your life now and, and kind of where you're headed than really the show. Like the show was an amazing experience, great social experiment and fun to be a part of. And now it's done. And it kind of seems like it confirmed the path that you were already on. And it was like a fun little diversion just to like, check it out, see what happened. But here you are kind of back on the path and seemingly more secure or just more grounded in the choice that you've made to become a single mother. And so I'd love to hear post show and, and where you are now with fertility and mindset and all of that. Yeah. So I, you know, kind of obviously things had to play it with Kyle after a few months. And last fall around well, September, I started looking for a sperm donor. So I had contemplated 
talking to a friend, you know, about, about donating it or co-parenting. But after everything I had been through, I decided that I just wanted control over this journey as much as I could have it at this point. And I didn't want a relationship of any sort getting involved to make things more complicated mm -hmm. just because of what I'd been through in the timeline that I was on. So I started looking for a sperm donor. That was the first thing, which is a really interesting process. By the way, I found a donor I really fell in love with in October and so I was basically preparing to do my first round of IVF because I had previously frozen my eggs. I did like a round before the show and I did a couple rounds after the show. So that had happened in, in relatively close to when I actually moved forward with the IVF. Now for me, like I had to have a minor surgery done and it kind of set me back into earlier this year in January before I could actually start the process to get to my first embryo transfer. And I did that, finally that transfer like end of February, early March. And unfortunately that one was not successful. So I started pretty much right away onto my next round. And I was, you know, probably four weeks into that when we had to cancel because of COVID. And I know a lot of other women are feeling that too, because it's hard enough to go through this journey and then a pandemic hits, right? Like right. <laughs> we've never even heard of before, you know, and I, and at the beginning of it too, I think what was extra hard is we really didn't know what we were in for yet. And I remember like really deciding if I wanted to keep going or not, you know, because I think initially they gave me the option to keep going. And if I would have done that, it would have gotten canceled anyway. Right. And for me, because the truth is like, I have a very limited number of embryos. I just did not want to take a chance. So I opted to wait and that has turned into a much bigger wait, you know, than right. I anticipated. <laughs> I'm in the process actually now of moving from Austin back to Chicago. And that's where my fertility team is located. So as soon as I'm back, we're going to start the process to my next round. And in a lot of ways, like I'm excited about it because I feel like I'm a lot wiser about the process than I was, mm -hmm. you know, even six months ago. You learn so much by actually going through it. I think it's great to have resources, absolutely read those things, connect about those things. Something to be said about actually going through it yourself that both surprises you and teaches you. And I know even just after one round, I feel so much better prepared mm -hmm. to go through my second round. Right. I mean, so much of it, really every part of it is so personal. So you can hear yes. what other people feel like when they're doing the stimulation, you know, injections, but that's not how you're going to feel. You're going to feel completely different. Right. And the, all the so symptoms true. and all, you know, every, every little part of it is just so individualized. And it's even, I mean, it sounds like you've done multiple retrievals and as I, have, I have done three and every single one was different. I've had ones where physically I felt terrible, but emotionally I was fine. I've had somewhere like I couldn't stop crying, but I actually felt like fine in my body. Like it's just all over the map. And it was like the same, the exact same meds two months apart. So I don't really know, yes. you know what the, what the difference was. Right? Crazy. <laughs> I know for yeah. me, like my egg retrievals, I really did well with like, I, maybe I was just excited, but I felt good when I started and I had quite a lengthy hormone cycle for my first embryo transfer. I don't even know if I knew it at the time. In retrospect, I was a complete wreck. I felt like I had been hit by a, a truck every morning when I got up. I was super depressed. I didn't even know I was depressed until I kind of got out the other side. And, you know, that is one thing that leads me to a point I would let other women know. Now, I'm like super independent. I've done a lot of big things on my own in my life. You know, because I had chosen Kyle and I had already set things in motion to move to Austin, I had been wanting to change. I continued that. But I will say, having gone through an IVF cycle away from friends and family, because I didn't 
know anyone here well enough yet, certainly to ask for help with something this personal, I realized like how kind of insane that is. And so that was a big lesson for me of realizing no matter what your circumstances, no matter how independent that you are, you really do need to have a team around you. A, just to keep connected with and help you get through those hard times emotionally. But I found like, I just needed someone to get me groceries or yeah. make me a meal because there was nights I just wouldn't eat because I just felt so bad. Um, and that was a big lesson for me. And that was kind of a difficult pill to swallow because I've never not been able to do something on my own. But I think it also was a bit of a reality check that I'm so glad I had now because certainly if that's the case during IVF, you still need a support yes. team once you have the baby, right? You're not going to, you're going to need help. So you right. better get those friends and family lined up that you can call on when you need them. And I'm so glad that I found that out now before I actually have the baby. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that you'll be back closer to family and friends and, and all of that. Yeah. I think it's yeah. so important to have that kind of support system, your village that's local, that can bring you groceries, that can come over. Yeah. And then also I've just found so much value. I mean, obviously that's, that's the whole point of the podcast in creating this network of friends and connections globally, really. I mean, I've got friends yes. that have been on the show in Australia and England and, you know, all over the place, but those really are the women now that I've, I'm back into trying to conceive after a six month COVID break and COVID among other things just needed a break. Um, and so now that I'm back in that, I find that the people that I'm texting for support or the people who know when my scans are going to be, or when I'm starting certain meds, those are the friends that I've met in this community, not necessarily my best friend who can yes. pick up groceries, but doesn't understand IVF. It's I think so you need true. Both. It's yeah. so true. And I think honestly, we're all at a certain point in our lives where we have developed careers, we have developed lives, everyone's busy. And I think it's just one of those things that like esoterically you could think you understand, but you just don't until right. you've been through it. And I agree with you because literally the best thing that came out of me doing labor of love is this amazing group of women that have reached out to me to support me, to share their stories, to offer me helpful advice. I mean, truly it has been life-changing and I like want to cry just thinking about it because <laughs> how generous these women have been like blows my mind. And I can tell you, I did cry a lot like post-show because I was so overwhelmed by the generosity of the women in this group, you know, of us going through this journey. And that means more to me than anything. That has been the biggest pleasant surprise out of this whole thing. And I agree with you 100%. I know without a doubt, those will be the women, whether they live in Chicago or not, and most of them don't, that I rely on most heavily and that are the most beneficial for me, not only going through the process of getting pregnant, but hopefully when I have a baby, we continue to have that relationship with each other to help support one another as single mothers by choice. So you are talking with or talking to an audience of people that do really get where you are and where you've been and all of that. So I want to kind of go back and, and ask more specifics about, let's start with choosing a donor. Like how was that process for you or like what was important to you? What surprised you? How did you make yeah. that choice? I mean, honestly, in retrospect, I will say that has been one of the fun parts of this. So I used California Cryobank prior to even doing the show because I had started to look into this. I had already identified that as the bank that I wanted to use. And I didn't ever actually find anyone on there that I liked as a donor prior to doing the show. So that's interesting. But I think I was on for about a month when I was ready to choose and I came across my donor. And, you know, I guess I'll just fast forward to the end and then we could get some of the details. What was interesting to me is like I had the things I wanted to check off and that I thought were important to me. And then ultimately there was just one that I was like, 
he's the one. I think I literally shouted out my partner by myself. <laughs> I was like, he's the one. And I was like jumping around and I was like laughing so hard because in a way it's just like dating. Like you can have so the much. things that you want. Yes. You can have the capability. You're like, but who, who all six of these are the same, but no, there's not. There is one that you just know is like the one you want to date. It's, it's, I found to be the same choosing a donor after checking all the boxes, there was just one that clearly was my donor. I just felt it in my heart. I had no questions. I immediately ordered the vials. <laughs> and know? what was it about that one? Like what was, what was the thing that really tipped it the scale? Just, oh, well, it was just that feeling. I will say also it was a feeling, but the one sort of maybe kind of concrete thing that tipped me over that I was also super surprised by was the interview where you can actually hear them talking. I don't know what it is because it wasn't even really his answers. Her answers, his answers were sweet. You know, I mean, all these guys on the whole, I think are younger, but it was like the way he answered, mm -hmm. like the way he talked, something about his voice. Um, you know, I could sense his empathy, his intelligence, just in the way that he communicated. And you can read all those things in their profile, but there is something about actually hearing them talk that shocked me at how beneficial it was at yes. eliminating people and moving people forward. Absolutely. Shocking. Yeah. It's so funny because you're definitely not the first woman I've heard who has said that kind of tipped the scale. And I felt that way yeah. as, as well. I'm on my third donor, the third and final donor, but the first two were from Fairfax, which they do the okay. audio interviews. And so I did get to hear their voice and I was really happy with the first donor and not so happy with the second donor. And really when I had, if I had to put a finger on it with the second donor, it was his voice that just everything else yeah. lined up and the voice just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. I went with it anyway and I totally regretted it. And I was really thankful when it didn't work out. <laughs> but yeah. so with my current donor, I wasn't able to hear a voice interview because I changed banks and this one doesn't have that. Oh, Wow which is hard, but then sort of, I love him so much that I'm like, okay, I'm kind of glad that I can't hear it because what if that would sway my, my vote somehow. And so yeah. I'm just happy to be, to feel really good about my choice. And I think for me, it really came down to, I get the sense that this is a good human, like that this is a person that my kid can feel proud to be like somewhat connected to genetically, biologically, and I trust that even 20 years from now, that likely this person will be someone that I, I just got a good vibe. And so, like you said, right. it just is kind yeah. of the, the gut feeling. Like I just, I hope, I hope I chose well. He seems like a good person. Yes, it is. And I will say like choosing, and I do like California Cryobank. I will say like I've learned things since then. So I would probably still choose them, but things I didn't think to ask about upfront was like how many people actually can use this donor mm -hmm. because that's going to affect how many genetic, mm -hmm. you know, half oh. siblings there are, are out there. <laughs> Girl, we, we have and talked about of, that on this show. Yeah. I, I chose wrong. My, I used Zytex and found out later. I was so proud of myself for not like overanalyzing and not like thinking too hard. I switched from Fairfax to Zytex. It literally took me like 10 minutes to find my third donor after agonizing for weeks over the first two. And then later, when it was too late, I found out that their family limit is 60 instead of 25, which is yeah. what So I'm like, I, I think, I think cryobank might be 25 or something like that. And I know I'm blanking, but there are ones that actually restrict it quite a bit more than that. And I remember I popped onto those sites and I had already bought my donor, but I thought, well, I can sell it back because I hadn't done the transfer yet. Yeah. But honestly, the pool is much, much more limited. So even at the end of the day, honestly, I would do what you do because 
you think there's all these donors, but if you're choosing a reputable bank, which obviously you want to, and you start putting in parameters, honestly, the pool gets small pretty quickly. It's, so a, it's just like the dating. Day, <laughs> yes. And so even when I found out about numbers, I was like, nope, I've got to feel like this is the one, you know, after screening medical histories and genetic testing and any like physical parameters you might want, or even like you were saying you want a good person. So I was definitely looking at interests and how did this person do in school? Cause education was important to me. And if nothing else shows that they can apply themselves. Mm-hmm. Right. So all of those things you put in and, and it does whittle your pool down pretty significantly. It, it really does. So I would rather honestly have a bigger pool to choose from than go the route of, you know, there are banks that sort of restrict, I think, to 10 families, Mm -hmm. but you have to be open to a much broader range of qualities and characteristics if if you want to pick from those things. Right. And as you probably found too, it's like the quote unquote popular donors. I mean, they sell out right away. Right. Um, So you can get your heart set on someone and then it's gone. Yeah. But even then I'm thinking that there's this piece we're talking about that I didn't think of at the time. Well, gosh, they're going to have the max siblings out there. And right. that might be something now that I, I would be more cautious of. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. You know, I'll, I talked about in an earlier episode of the podcast, how at one point I found out there was a Facebook group for my sperm bank and I got into it and I typed in my donor's number and a couple of profiles popped up with people who have children who were donor siblings of my embryos. Totally freaked me out. I got out of the group. I was only in it for like five minutes and it was like kind of traumatizing. Like I ended up having a session with a reproductive psychologist who I'd already been seeing as part of my clinic's practice to have, you have access to that. But I was like, I need to talk about this. I don't know. I mean, it just made it really real that my child was going to have genetic relatives really in, and that at some point a decision would have to be made about what do we call them and how do we think of them and are they family or are they strangers who share DNA or like, what are they? And it just made it all very real. Well, recently, so I'm much closer at this point to actually, you know, conceiving and I have these five embryos that are all genetically tested and they're all with the same donor. So I'm feeling pretty certain that no matter what happens, like the child that I have will be will have that DNA. And so I got back into the face group. I don't, and I was like, why am I doing this? What am I doing? I'm going to totally regret this, but it helped so much. And I'm really surprised at how good it felt to see. I found, I came up with four donor siblings and they all have very similar, like chubby, chubby cheeks. And there are just certain like features that are all like, you can see the common thread and some of them are even biracial and you know, but they, you could just see the parts that came from the donor and it kind of helped me to imagine my own child a little bit. And it felt very sweet versus creepy and weird, which is where it was for oh, me that's probably awesome. like six months ago. So yeah, because I think I'm where you were six months ago. I'm, I'm a little scared about yeah, that. I think it's totally okay. Like wherever you are in that. And if you need to kind of have your head in the sand and like not think about it too much or not be in the Facebook groups or whatever, I mean, I'm still at this point, I found that to be helpful, but also I'm like, I'm not going to get in touch with these people, like maybe for years, maybe ever. I don't know if I want to actually connect with them, but just in, at this stage of the game, it, it helped take the image of the baby that I'm going to have from like a little cluster of cells in a test tube somewhere downtown to, Oh, he might, look like this, or she might have that kind of hair or it just helped. I don't know why. Yeah. I was going to say, so you you didn't actually talk to the, Mm -mm. 
no, okay. no, total creeper. See, I, I went that. in. I, <laughs> no, I would do that. <laughs> yeah. I went in, I looked at their profiles and then I got back out of the group. Like I'm not even in it anymore. Oh my gosh. Okay. Now I might do this, Katie. Cause honestly, like and it's the funny thing going back to the sperm donor, the truth is you put on these parameters and then, you know, at first I was like, well, I want to see adult pictures. Well, you do that. And there's really few profiles oh, yeah. that have adult pictures. And the ones I looked at, I was like, oh no, it like actually scared me. <laughs> <laughs> But honestly, like, so, but that is scary because you're choosing mostly based off of baby pictures. And so at first I had that as a must have, I was like, I must see adult pictures, but it limited my pool so much. And there was no donor I wanted in that pool that I was like, well, okay, best laid plans, throwing that out the window. Right. So Um, you have no, you have no adult pictures of yours. No. Did you have yours? Okay. I did. Yeah. But I could see I'm how the adult. voice, the voice would help you even more to kind of imagine him as an adult. If you didn't have pictures. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's like a uh, super cute baby, you know, but yes. I, for me too, I, and I don't know if other women feel this way. I off the bat was trying to choose physical characteristics that were similar to me. That would not be true in my dating life, but for the child's sake, and this could be right, this could be wrong. I thought it best if the child looked at least somewhat like me. So some people might feel that way. Some people might not, but you know, my donor, like I've green eyes that, that limited things quite a bit, but my donor happened to have green eyes, you mm-hmm. know, so it was really interesting. I fell in love with this donor that had dark hair and green eyes. And then I loved all the other things about him, but really he was like the only one, you know, and that kind of helped me too. But yeah, I'm honestly a little nervous that I haven't seen adult photos. So I might have to go creep on that Facebook site <laughs> and see like other babies from because I think I bought the last of his vials. Honestly, I think he'd been kind of in the system for a few years. So some of these kids could be like a few few years old now. And even that I didn't know to ask about, by the way, other tips to other ladies, like it didn't occur to me that these vials could be frozen for a number of years. And I don't know what that does or doesn't mean, you know. But I didn't even think about that. And the reason I found it out is because when I sent the information to my doctor, he asked for more genetic testing. And then I, I reached out to the geneticists at the lab at, at the sperm bank. And they said, well, he doesn't have expanded genetic testing because it wasn't available at the time that he donated and he never donated again. But it did tell me that he's only done one donation, which I liked. Mm. But I really am, feel very strongly about my donor. But in the future, if I have to do it again, I would probably only choose donors that have had expanded genetic testing. That being said, I just went through genetic testing myself and anything that came up, it was like such a, a slim, slim chance that there would ever be an issue with the baby that, you know, he said, okay, but I didn't necessarily know that you had to really differentiate genetic testing, expanded genetic testing. Right. I just clicked genetic testing and found out because I was in the process that there's a difference. <laughs> okay. So you totally don't have to answer this if you don't want to, but I'm curious about when you got to the point of fertilizing your eggs, did you, I know you've done multiple cycles. Did you fertilize all the eggs that you had frozen or part of the eggs or kind of where? Yeah. So up front, actually, even before the show, because I started working with Ova in Chicago and honestly, not to jump to another question, but if there's one thing I could do differently and I would tell women to do, it's freeze your eggs early. I mean, I did it at 40, 41 and we can talk about that, like how many eggs I got and then the attrition and then even number of healthy embryos. I had no clue until I went through it. And the truth is I always knew I would have a family later. I always knew I would pursue my career first. I wanted to travel the world. I wanted to live in a big city. There's all these things that I wanted to do so that I could be the best mom that I could. I always knew it would be later. 
knowing what I know now, I would have froze my eggs as early as possible, you know, late twenties, early thirties. Yes, it is a financial commitment, but there's ways to make that easier now. Like OVA, I know sets up a payment plan without interest so you can pay over the year, which makes it actually quite affordable, but it ultimately will end up being less expensive because most likely you will only even need to do one egg mm -hmm. retrieval mm -hmm. to get all of the eggs you need to probably have right. multiple kids. And I think so, on the one hand, that's incredible advice. And I'm so glad you're saying it. And I think anybody younger than us needs to hear that. Yes. And on the other hand, I think you kind of need to let yourself off the hook a little bit for it because we're roughly the same age. I think a couple years younger than you, but I was 30. I think it was 2012 was the year that egg freezing became non-experimental and more That's kind true. of open and available. So when you're saying I should have done this in my late twenties, I don't think you could have done it in your late twenties. I don't think it was available <laughs> to you, you know? So, yeah. so I think just having a little bit of like self-compassion for not regretting things that wouldn't have been available or maybe they were available, but how the heck would you have known? What would it have and, taken? And it's true. It wasn't happening on TV. It wasn't happening. And you know, I mean, you, you wouldn't have, it wouldn't have been on your radar. And I even think like the freezing aspect, which is so important, this was definitely not up to the technology it is now. That's one thing I like about OVA, but to your point, OVA, and they work with Dr. Kaplan, who is my doctor and honestly, one of the best fertility specialists in the world. Like mm -hmm. I'm so grateful to work with him because people fly in from around the world to work with him and he's just a lovely human being. But OVA is also part of this next wave of women. And I'm so appreciative of them because they've created this offshoot that is just about freezing your eggs. So you go in there, you're not mixing with other people actually actively going through IVF. You're not necessarily with couples. It is a lot of professional single women coming in to preserve motherhood for their future. And they treat you like queens, you know? And I'm like, wow, this is actually very groundbreaking because it's another thing that's flipping the paradigm. Mm -hmm. I've had treatments as a single woman at the point where I've been starting to actively go through trying to have a baby where I've been treated very poorly. These people don't know my situation, don't know anything about me, but I'm automatically treated as lesser than, than these couples in there going through the same thing. Mm -hmm. And I think Ova had gotten that feedback from so many women and they, they thought, aha, like, can we do this better? Can we create this space where women who are wanting to preserve their fertility can come in and feel really taken care of? And I think that's very novel and very wonderful. and kind of to your point, one of the benefits to that, besides getting that personalized treatment that was very supportive and where we could talk through things and they really walked me through things was like the lab that they work with is top notch as far as freezing eggs. You're getting the best chance that those eggs are going to thaw and you mm -hmm. can actually make healthier embryos. So to your point, when I first started doing it, I went through that option. Like, do I want to choose a donor and actually freeze embryos or do I want to just freeze eggs? Now I opted to just freeze eggs. And then once I had my donor, and was ready to go through the IVF, we actually fertilized. If I have to do it again, you know, I, I don't know what I will do because I've, I've read both things, but from talking to my team, I opted to just freeze the eggs because truthfully, it, it would have been the same now, I suppose, but at the time that was before the show was on my plate and all this stuff. So I think I had wanted the option that had I met a partner in the next right. year. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Moving That's exactly what I, I did. Consider it. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So yeah, so then I, I guess to answer your question, so then when I actually got ready to do the IVF and we had to go through all of that, and this is kind of what happened to me, which honestly turned out to be a blessing on the first round of IVF. So we put the embryos that reached a certain stage through the PGT, am I saying that PGT testing, right? Mm -hmm. PGT testing, like basically the genetics of the embryo. And 
the results weren't back by the time we did the procedure, like however that worked. And so what they did is they chose the best embryo, which turned out was not genetically healthy, which is why Ah. the pregnancy didn't take. Now I was very upset at the time. I was very, very upset, but honestly, I'm like so grateful now because I potentially would have been pregnant going through the pandemic. And that's very terrifying to me on top of which, and I will share this, I'm open about it. I had five embryos, including that one that kind of reached the stage that they needed to. And only one is genetically healthy from that PGT testing. And that's the one I'll be doing this next time. So in retrospect, I'm very grateful because I think if I had that one initial chance and I was going through all the stress of this time, I'm not sure that would have worked anyway. Whereas Mm -hmm. now I actually feel very confident. We all feel very confident about this embryo. Mm -hmm. I am going through ERA and receptiva testing first because I only have the one before we worry about having to go through everything all over again. And so for women, some might know what that is. Some might not. Usually they put women through that if they've had multiple failed IVF cycles. And it's basically really pinpointing the timing to implant the embryo as well as checking for inflammation issues, particularly in the uterus, um, because those things will make it very difficult Mm -hmm. for you to keep a pregnancy. So I'm opting to go through that now before I do this next transfer in hopes that it works. You know, Um, you can troubleshoot anything that would be in the way. That's right. So we're giving it the best possible chance. And I'll be honest, I was really heartbroken when those results came back. And, And this is something I think women should be aware of. Like you said earlier, it's true. All bets are off. Just because someone has one story doesn't mean even if you're the same age and have a lot of similarities that your story will be the same. We're all very different. Mm -hmm. Um, And I will say going in all my baseline testing was actually quite good. It was actually really indicative of a woman um, more like in her mid thirties, you know, so I felt very positive, but that being said, it took me three um, rounds of egg freezing to get 14 eggs. And from those 14 eggs, five reached the necessary stage as far as embryos go. And it turned out one of those five was healthy. Mm -hmm. And so when these tests came back and I found out I only had one, I cried for like Mm -hmm. two two days and I, my my poor mother's on the phone and I'm like, you know, she's so encouraging. She's like, it's (laughs) going to be fine. Things are going to work out. You're going to see, but I'm like, Oh, now I'm like a year later. If I, and I even had this discussion with my doctors before going into this next round, I was like, should I do some more egg retrievals? I'm already a year plus older than I was when we did this the first time. And I got one healthy embryo from 14 eggs. And they were like, well, you know, we ultimately decided I personally only want one child. So, you know, we opted to do this testing and give this embryo that looks great a, a chance. And if mm-hmm. not, you know, I'll know that in the next few months and you know, I'll just have to go through the yeah. whole thing over again and see what happens. But I was shocked by that. Even having done the research, I expected three embryos mm-hmm. and I got one. And that's such a good point for people to understand that those statistics are averages and they're, they're not, we can't expect our bodies to perform exactly the way the numbers like aggregate for like hundreds of thousands of women yes. and have our body just like do what it's, you know, we think it's supposed to go a certain way. And I think to some degree, I've, I've been a little naive about some things, but at the same time, don't be defeatist either, because just because your sister, aunt, person you read about somewhere on the internet, you know, had a story one way or the other, it doesn't mean that's going to be your story. Right. It's very, very difficult to predict. Even like you said, the conversion from eggs to being frozen, to being thawed, to being fertilized, to being, Hey, how many actual embryos do I have? It varies so much right. from 
woman to woman. So you have to be aware of it, but I think it's good to just kind of try to stay neutral until you start seeing what your own picture looks like. Right. And to keep it in perspective too, like what the actual goal is, because I don't think any of us, I mean, there might be women who, who really want to have lots of children as a single mother by choice, but I think that's not the norm. And, you know, we're not trying to have litters of children. So having 10 PGS normal embryos doesn't really matter if your goal is to have one child, you know, one golden embryo that hopefully is all you'll ever need, you know? And I mean, I'm gambling, I'm rolling the dice on that, you know, but I think it does make the most sense because either way I'm losing time. So it's like six in one, half a dozen in the other. Mm -hmm. And I've opted to take a chance on this one beautiful embryo Mm and see what happens. But I think that's where I can even freak myself out now and go, Oh my gosh, like, what, what was I thinking? Because I hear all these stories of, you know, women going through so many rounds or so many years. And I'm like, oh my goodness, like, did I wait too long? And time will tell. It doesn't mean that I can't still become a mother, but did I wait too long to do this biologically, you know, with my own DNA? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I, I want to say positive, but I do sometimes think it might be a naive, you know, it's so easy to unintentionally think your story is different. I mean, it's just going to work out. And and that's another piece of advice I would give other women too. For me, I spent, I will say, okay, so short diversion for people that don't know, I was married briefly in my like mid to late thirties. And I really rushed into that marriage because I was worried about my biological clock then. And the marriage is very short. And at the end of that, I found myself 38 and really freaking out about my biological clock. Every single day from then until kind of, I guess I went on the show, which was three years. I panicked about it and wondered what I should be doing. And what I should have done was just go and freeze my eggs. But I kept thinking, no, I'm going to meet someone. I'm going to meet someone. Mm -hmm. And three years went by, you know? So I was waiting either to meet someone or to feel hundred percent ready. In my head, I thought the biggest obstacle was getting to the place where I was ready. And then it would just happen. And that right. I laugh at that now and because I think people told me that's not the case, but in my head, I just thought, no, I need to make sure that I'm hundred percent ready on all levels before I do this. In retrospect, I would have started trying a couple of years ago because I didn't realize, I don't know. I feel silly saying it because it's like, I obviously know the stories of other women, but somehow in my head, I thought my biggest obstacle was being ready to do this on my own. Mm-hmm. And I now realize when you're ready, you've got a journey ahead of you. Mm-hmm. I mean, you might get lucky. You might be the person. There are women that get pregnant on the first try and that's amazing, but I think that's less common. And so I think if I could go back and do things differently, I would have started earlier, whether it was just freezing my eggs then or actively trying prior to this, because now I really am up against the clock. This one doesn't work. It's going to be harder going through the next round. And that makes me nervous, honestly. So I laugh at myself now because I just thought it would just happen. But the reality is most likely it won't. So I think women <laughs> should just prepare themselves for that and make decisions accordingly. Yes. No, I was exactly the same way. And that's so much a purpose for this show is just helping women hear lots of different stories, not just mine, not just yours, but you know, lots of, and so I've shared the stories of the women who get pregnant on the first IUI. You know, I mean, those women have also been on the show, but I just want women to see that there's a whole range of outcomes and you're right. It is like, we do have to kind of mentally get there, but that's not the only piece. Like you have to also like biologically get there and it's, yeah, it's so true. It's a lot. I think what I realize now is yeah, even at, like, I'm very ready. I'm very ready. And I still get scared a lot of the times. And so I think in the past, I thought that meant I'm not ready, but it doesn't. It's just that, you know, my sisters have kids and, and friends I know have kids. And when I talk to them, they're like, Hey, listen, like, we were ready. We were a couple and we were still freaked out when we found out we were pregnant, 
you know, mm-hmm. it, it's a big life changing thing and it's unknown and that is normal, you know? So I think I was waiting maybe not to have that feeling as well. And even now I remember when I did the first transfer, I was super excited, but I remember right when I stepped out of the office, I, I think I just looked like a ghost. I was like completely silent and completely like in shock. I think mm-hmm. I was, oh my God, what did I do? <laughs> and I knew I wanted to do it. And then I'm like, okay, right. I think that's just normal because it's a big, big thing. Yes. You're doing it on your own or with a partner. And the hard <laughs> thing is with a partner, you can sort of just stop trying not to get pregnant. And you can just be sort right. of like casually trying or not really trying not to, or there's this sort of accidental way that yeah. or casual way that it can, oh, it, it happened. Look at us. You know, whereas for us, it's very intentional and it's not just a one-time choice. It's every cycle, every month. Am I okay? Am I still trying? Am I still ready? Do I still want this? Um, And so for me, I ended up taking a six month break and it ended up coinciding with the pandemic. So I think a lot of that would have been, if I hadn't been already planning to take a break, it would have happened anyway, but I got some pushback. I mean, I, I posted about it on Instagram and I had another single mother by choice say that, you know, she, or she hoped I was talking to a therapist and she didn't understand why I would ever take a break. And it took her X number of years. And, you know, I should be, basically I should be more worried about the biological side of it than the emotional side of it, which has some merit. I mean, yes, you don't want to wait too long, but you also have to be, your head has to be in the game. And it's just very different for us because we have to be so intentional I agree that I never thought about that, but two points from that, like one, I think you're right. If you're just quote unquote, trying naturally, you don't know the moment you're potentially pregnant. When you right. go in for IVF, you know, the moment like this is either happened or it hasn't. And that allows you to think about, you know, a million different horribles, right? <laughs> the other thing I will say, as far as you taking a break, I mean, maybe so I, I used to be an acupuncturist and my practice ironically is, which I'm sure it's not, we specialize in infertility. Now this was gosh, you know, many years ago before acupuncture was really a thing in Chicago. And the owner of my practice was really an amazing acupuncturist and she's still very well known in Chicago. And I remember one time, cause I was pretty new out of school talking to her about all these protocols and what I should do at different stages of the whole fertility process. And there are protocols, absolutely. But I remember her saying to me, do all of that, that's great. But honestly, do you know what I'm most concerned about with the patient? Reducing her stress levels. Mm -hmm. Because the stress will negate everything else you're trying to do. And that has always stayed with me to this day, even going into my own journey that I didn't know I would be doing. It's a real thing. Stress has a lot of biological effects on the body. And I think that's sometimes part of the reason people have to continue so long, because obviously it's an incredibly stressful situation. And sometimes I have to stop and think what's worse, what's better, right? Right. I I do think doing things to try to keep your stress levels down as much as you can is so important to actually have a successful transfer. So I probably in your pool, Katie. That's, <laughs> and that's why I opted not to continue. You know, I think when things reopened, I wasn't considered an essential case or whatever. I think those kind of reopened potentially May or June, if I remember. Certainly, I know I could have started in, I think, July. But because everything was ending with the show, I was so stressed out. I was dealing with so much coming at me. I, in my heart, was like, no. I have this one like precious little embryo right now and I'm not going to take any chances with it. I think that's so wise. Right. Yeah. Just to make sure your own energy is ready and clear and receptive. That makes so much sense to me. I think I would have done the same thing. 
Yeah. And maybe if I had, honestly, if I had had a couple embryos, I might've chosen differently. Whatever anyone chooses, it's your choice. And, you know, I think women in this pool need to support each other. I think it's good to share information, but we're all going to make different choices based on ourselves and our circumstances. But I do want to say, even from my own experience and practice, like stress is a real thing. So whether you're never choosing to take a break in this process, do make sure you're doing some self-care to reduce your stress because it does have a real physical impact on the body. So that's something that might often not get talked about as far as an efficacy thing. You know, obviously we talk about the stress of it because we need that support from one another, Mm -hmm. but it is an important thing to consider even as part of your active process of trying to get pregnant and staying pregnant and, you know, having a healthy baby. Mm -hmm. Total fan of acupuncture (laughs) to the same (laughs) for all things, including fertility. So that's great. Well, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. Is there anything that we haven't talked about that you want to make sure that we do? I was trying to think, I feel like we covered a lot. I really like that we talked a lot about choosing a sperm donor because I think that's something one never thinks about. Right. <laughs> <until you're in laughs> it. Although I didn't expect it. I'm actually super grateful to be a part of this community. And I maybe want to just give that message to other women that it is something special. And I think I have to remind myself of this pretty much on a daily basis anyway, as well. I think the more you can embrace that story that is happening for you, the more you will actually see the beauty in it. But as much as you keep trying to connect back to the story that you wish you had, and honestly, that's part of what I had to grieve over this last year to get to the point where actually I'm excited about this journey. You're never going to fully see the beauty in the experience you're having in this case of being a single mother by choice and the wonderful things that come with that. So that's the one thing I guess I would want to leave everyone with. And I want to make sure they understand that, especially if you have seen the show, it's so easy to see like, Oh, everything has just worked out so wonderful. And, and she's fully embraced this and she's so confident in it. Yes, I am, but I have the other side too. And even post show, it took me almost a full year to fully grieve, not getting the story that I wanted after everything else I've been through in my life to embrace fully the story that I am having. So I think that's just important for Mm -hmm. women to know, do your best to let go of that old story and realize you've just really been given a really special and beautiful story. And if you embrace it, you start to find those fun things in the process that you can truly be excited about. Absolutely. That's so beautifully said and something that I very much feel as well. I think that even with this six month break that I've taken, I thought, okay, I'm going to stop the actual trying to conceive. And the goal is that when I'm not going to go back to it, cause I didn't have a time frame, but I was like, I'm not going to go back to it till I'm hundred percent head in the game. And then a few months yeah. in, I was like, <laughs> okay, well that's probably not going to happen. So maybe it's just being able to hold both being able to accept, like, I will always have a little bit of grief around what I don't have in life that I would like to have. Right. But that's true in so many areas. We're always kind of dealing with that push and pull of accepting and loving and embracing what is, and also understanding that there are it's like those choose your own adventure books that they had when we were kids. Like there are all these <laughs> other ways it could have gone and you just have to be yeah. okay with like, this is the way that it went for me. And kind of embracing what I, I, yeah, embrace your story. Cause it's part of what makes you special. And I think what you're saying too, kind of taking the break and coming back. I don't know if this was true for you. You can tell me if I'm wrong, but for me, sort of going through the show and then grieving that process. Now it's so in my heart that this is what I'm supposed to do. Now for the last few years, like I told you guys, I've been thinking about it and figured that was probably what I would do, but I didn't feel it the same way Mm -hmm. I do now. 
now having that experience, the last year being what it was, it is so obvious in my heart that this is what I should be doing. I'm so grateful it didn't happen another way, but you can't rush yourself to be there, you know? And I think there was a thing with motherhood too, that maybe is fair or unfair as women, we just assume it will happen for us if we want it when we're ready. And so I do think there's some grief that comes with that when it's more of a struggle Mm -hmm. and when it's not coming in the package that we've always been told it it will will happen in, you know? So I don't want to minimize it because it's a real thing. And I think it is its own difficult situation, just being a woman and having the choice to be a mother, kind of being your right as a woman, when it doesn't go according to plan, or you don't get the story there that you just assumed you would have. I do think there's a whole another set of grief and struggle that comes with that. And I guess I just want to say that's normal. Mm-hmm. You know, that's normal. Don't beat yourself up for that. Let yourself grieve. You have to go through the grieving process, but it's just my biggest hope for all women in this pool that they do get to that place where they see the beauty in the experience that we actually are having. Yes. Well, you are such a beautiful and wonderful example of that for other women. And I think that it's so helpful to look and recognize yourself and other women, like to see, yes. oh, that's someone who I respect and you know, she's got her stuff together and she's someone I would want to be friends with. And she's in this demographic as well. So it's not just me alone. Yes, I totally agree. That has been also like, and I mostly know this from women I've connected with post-show. These are women that blow my mind on every level. I love them. I like want to be best friends with them. They're so much like me, you know, whatever they've done, they've done amazing things with their life. They're so courageous. I think that's the story we're all trying to get out there. Like, yes, there are misconceptions about what it means and, and who is going through this journey. Now there's women of all walks in life going through it, but I think meeting, you know, in quotes, because we haven't met in person, women who are so much like me and I so look up to as far as how they've navigated this journey is, I mean, truly awesome in every sense of that word. It it really is. And so I love that you said that. I think it's kind of that attitude. I went into the show, agreeing to do the show and be open and vulnerable about something so personal is just that I wanted to change the paradigm of what it means to be a woman who is walking this path. Yes. There are a lot of misconceptions and it's not fair and it needs to be shown and talked about so that it becomes a more realistic option for more women. And it should be something that doesn't shock people when they hear it come up in conversation. Mm -hmm. I really think this is just part of what it means to be a modern woman. And this is what I would like to see become more normalized for future generations. Yes. Thank you so much for sharing your story and just being willing to be open. Thank you so much for having me on. Yes. I'll be following along to see what happens with your embryo transfer and everything that's in the future for you. So thanks so much. Thank you, Katie. Bye. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the single greatest choice podcast. I'm your host, Katie B. You can learn about me and this project on my website, singlegreatestchoice.com. That's also the place to go if you're interested in being a future podcast guest. If you enjoyed today's episode, please take a minute to rate and review in iTunes. That helps more women to find our show. Until next time, I'm sending you all my love and support as you go about making the choices that will create a life you love.